Welcome, Welcome to the Nightly Rant with your hosts, Mike and Toria. This is the show where we examine society from a sarcastic point of view. If you like insane conversations, this is definitely the show for you. Let's get into today's topic. YPN people, I don't know about you, but I love helping out a friend. That's why I want to shout out my friend Brian Little and his podcast, Your Favorite Blockhead. This is the only show that manages to weave together peanuts and MMA into one heck of an amazing podcast. You can find your favorite blockhead wherever your favorite podcasts reside and at yourfavoriteblockhead.com. Do me a huge favor and listen to Brian's show. You'll be entertained and you'll help out a friend. Now, as I said, let's get into today's topic. Tonight... We have a return guest. Whoop, whoop. You're never going to guess. I'm going to describe him for you guys. And anyone who's paid attention will know <laughs> right away. But like this guy's wearing a bright yellow shirt. He has like this really interesting look on his face right now. And it says YFB on his shirt. What do you, who do you guys think? Who, who is it, Victoria? I don't know. Is it, I can't see the screen. Is it Jackson? No. No, it's not Jackson. You know, Tori is, and he's afraid to give me a proper introduction. So I guess I'll just hop in here and just say, <laughs> hello, all you happy taxpayers, all you freaking lip readers, all of you pencil neck geeks, <laughs> and those alike in between, because your favorite blockhead just hopped over the guardrails of the Yogi's Podcast Arena. And like Samson in the Old Testament, he is swinging a donkey jawbone, clearing the stage and cleaning house until he is the last man standing the crowd has popped and he has grabbed the mic and he is cutting the promo oh man so, who let this guy in here <laughs> so brian Christine, you're a you teacher, just right? thought that's right that's you when know, you gotta have end? oh it ain't ended yet man we're still at the we're crawling scratching to the end of the line but you know this is this is me putting on the other persona man you see you just thought that your favorite blockhead only spends his day wrecking kites and missing place kicks and dealing with the dodo birds but when i got the mic now i'm able to cut a promo better than more than half of the current day roster of wwe i would rather watch two old women play slap butt in the middle of the walmart parking lot than have to sit through three minutes of that televised program on a weekly basis there's your promo somebody debate me <laughs> you and your male soap opera. That's what they do in the UFC. They cut. They set the. They, they set the mic down and they just go. All right, now what you got? Or better yet, like when they come out there and then they say they're the they're the best in the world. And then all in the middle of their long <laughs> in the middle of their long speech, all of a sudden some music breaks out and their arch nemesis comes marching down. And like what, exactly. what always makes me laugh too is like the guy in the ring is like I don't know. 400 pounds and like 12 feet tall and out comes <laughs> mm-hmm. this guy that's like 90 pounds um, soaking wet and then he's going to try exactly. to beat the hell out of the big guy and it just doesn't happen but that's i always say that's the male soap opera and you know year, years ago i used to really be into uh wrestling and i had all these friends that were into it we would go to some of the live events but <laughs> but then this chick that i right? worked with one time i'm having a conversation with her, she's like you like wrestling I love wrestling. And we start talking about it. She thought it was 100% real. Oh, goodness. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, you know, I did have a conversation once with students. I'm going to walk you through this one a little bit. This one will be fun 
for uh, for you and you, Mike. I think you can jump on this one, Toria. One time, I, I was coaching wrestling when I was out in Lubbock, and I and I was really getting into the sport. I enjoyed being a part of that with those kids. They were becoming good young men. And one of them came to me so, that had no idea. He put his arm around me, and said, "Who you like as a wrestler, Mister Little? You like so Austin? You like The Rock?" And I looked at him. I went, "I really like Jordan Burroughs." And he went, "Who that?" And then I said, there's another guy from Ohio State named Kyle Snyder, who I really like, who ended up going on to 2016 in Rio and winning the gold medal. And he's, he looks around and he goes, what is he talking about? And then another kid came behind him, put his hand on his shoulder and said, he's talking about college wrestling. He's talking about the real stuff. So I can educate anybody on what real wrestling is. But again... I'm not taking away from those who like it. If you like the show, again, it's fine. That's 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 your choice of entertainment. Nobody's going to ever deny you of that. Yeah. But don't kid yourself. It's scripted. It's predetermined. They are protecting each other. Watch the way they throw punches sometime. That's, you know, that's funny. So I, I rest my case. And then they go to the next town and do the same show. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then they keep win-loss <laughs> records, which I think is funny. Yeah, win-loss records. That was that was picked out by somebody above you in the hierarchy. Somebody's paying you to lose. Yeah. And you're and you're proud of it. Yeah. It's actually though, it's it's very entertaining. Yes. But I just I think they need to leave the word sports off of it because they call it you know, sports <laughs> entertainment. I mean, they're athletic, don't get me wrong. Well, but, but that's not really sports. Yeah, I mean, if I remember right. It. Yeah, if I remember right, it was the World Wrestling Federation, then they lost to the Panda Bear known as the World Wildlife Federation. That's why they changed it to WWE, if I'm not mistaken. That that company's still out there. Look it up, WWF with the panda bear. That's who they lost the lost to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well done. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they lost to the panda people. Yeah. They, they did. They lost to the panda people. It's, it's, it's crazy. But okay. They changed their name. Yeah, changed it. So, but you know, it's like, I think it's the same thing that, I don't know. I think in big time sports, I actually do believe that at certain points in time, there have been, you know, the fix has been in, you know, it happens. What always seems to happen is some weird play will happen and the referee will like accidentally mess the, the call up. And it always seems to happen on the calls that aren't reviewable. Yeah, sounds about right. I wonder why that is. Yeah. I wonder why that is. After you know, reviewing like, how, how the move. Screwed that up. <laughs> it's like, it's just the strangest thing, but. But yeah. it, it's almost like they get their playbook out of the WWE. And I mean, there's been, so, but, but yeah. hey, you know, you know, you got to say something for that McMahon family because there have been so many other people. Ted Turner even had yeah. TNT wrestling and yeah. that's TBS, gone. He, he, couldn't, yeah. he couldn't do it. Yeah. He had a huge boom and bust cycle that happened yeah. there. They, 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 and they could still be in competition today if they'd done a lot of things. Right. Again, you know, like I said before, I find the shoots interesting. I don't watch the product. Yeah. I'm not going to be an expert on today's stuff. I'm a I'm a UFC guy. This is a bye week. There are no fights for the UFC. There are no Bellator. So that doesn't mean that YPN was my alternative for watching my fights. It just means that without that going on, there's there there's only a couple of other things that are going. But you know, the last time we talked, you were asking about what should people be watching in MMA. I can get to that later on. But I love that you gave me a segue right here because you're talking about something in wrestling that's called a double cross where somebody, the fix is in for the match. I believe there is some kind of a double cross or maybe as go, as far as a Montreal screw job that is happening in public education right now. And boy, do I have some things to say about standardized testing and how, the la and how much it is tearing apart our kids from an educator standpoint. 
and the opinions that I've got. So if you want to get me fired up, then by all means, let's talk standardized well, let's, testing. Let's so. talk about that. But but here's here's what I want to ask you to address while you're addressing that issue. Okay. Years ago, I ran for school board, and one of the questions the press asked me was, how should you evaluate a teacher? And when you think about it, before you respond, it's an interesting question because, you know, I don't care what grade level you teach. You are getting a completely, it's probably the only job in the world where you're getting a completely different crop of people that you work with every single year. And sometimes you're going to get a bunch of A students in your class. You're going to look like a star. Then other times you're not, and you're not going to look like a star. And can you really hold a teacher response? Like, like, okay, one of the things they say about standardized testing is they use that to judge how the teachers, how, how well the job the teacher's doing. Well, what if you get a bunch of kids in your class that they can't take tests? It makes you look bad. So, like, I want you to talk about the standardized testing issues that you see because I see it like, like my poor daughter in one week, she had two final exams, two AP tests, and the SAT test all in one week. And I swear she didn't eat very much. She was constantly stressed out. She was staying up till super late. The effects of it were so obvious. Wouldn't you say, Toria? Oh yeah, she was an unhappy camper. For a while. So so go ahead, man. Let's listen to you tell us about your issues with standardized testing or more or less your opinion on standardized testing. And then and somewhere in there kind of let me know what you think as a teacher what the best way to evaluate a teacher is. Well, to start with, to let you know, the best teachers are the best thieves. So a couple of things I could steal from a comedian that is doing very well in teacher comedy right now. His name is Eddie B. Anybody should go listen to his comedy. Let's just put it this way. If you were to classify just hypothetically in your mind, kids into compartments like you would for your choice of a fast food restaurant, standardized testing would be just fine if all of your kids were Chick-fil-A students. They'd be just fine. But when you have a mixture of maybe one or two Chick-fil-A students mixed in with a bunch of McDonald's and Popeye's, <laughs> it's going to be a very different world whenever you get the results back. When, an, another thing that I stole is there are kids that are loved at home that come to school to learn. The kids that are not come to school to be loved. You are not only an educator and collecting data on kids and teaching a wide variety of culture. You are a teacher. You are a nurturer. You are a nurse. You are a doctor. You are a lawyer. You are a compromiser. You are a fight breaker upper. You're a bug killer. You're a noise checker outer and everything else in between. So when, when it comes to how you expect us to differentiate so much of our curriculum to make sure this kid's accommodated for dyslexia, this kid for dyscalculia, this one for having What's some other things you can think of? This kid that had a traumatic brain injury, amongst everything else you have, and kids that are autistic, and then all of a sudden at the end, you give them all the same test, the same standardized test across the board. And again, if there was ever anything that really pulled how I feel about standardized testing, somebody else said it better. Go watch the Pants movie 2015 where there's a part where you meet the little redhead girl, Miss Othmar comes on and goes, wah, 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 wah. and what do the kids say? Aw, not the yearly standardized test again. Let me explain something. Charles Schultz was very subtle. He wasn't a guy that was in your face about issues about America. He was subtly giving issues about the time period in his comic strips. He would introduce it in such a subtle but brilliant way 
to where it gets you to think about the issue. And as soon as they yell that, Linus stands up and goes, man, will this test accurately assess what we've learned this year as Schroeder plays his music in the background? And then he goes, is it possible that we at this young age, and then you hear Miss Othmar, wah, 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 wah. yes, ma'am. And of course we shut up and then you see the infamous Scantron bubble sheet being passed backwards. That was a subtle message to Americans from the Schultz family. That means that we need to wake up and realize that this standardized test, if you want to know where it's actually benefiting somebody, it's not benefiting anybody that's a teacher or a student or a parent or even anybody all the way down to the school board and in between. You need to figure out who has their hands in the cookie jar. You need to figure out who the people are that the test writers and see who is able to get their hands on the funding and how we are going to take this broken idea of putting a standardized test out to decide where we're going to send our funding to for this one that can't meet the tests. Because, and again, another guy, you need to find out who says it better than I can. Go and find the podcast. I'm going to share this with everybody right now. This is a free plug. His name is Frank DeAngelis. Does anybody, either one of y'all know who I'm talking about when I say Frank DeAngelis? Who is that? I have no the idea. The principal of Columbine High School. He goes on to a podcast. I'm pulling it up right now where he goes and discusses what he feels about the standardized tests. He says it better than I can, and he even brings one thing to light that all of us need to hear. Again, I know that it's Marcus Luttrell. It's Marcus Luttrell's podcast, where he goes and does an interview with Frank DeAngelis of Columbine. When One thing that you have to understand across the board, everybody from the top up needs to understand four words, and they have nothing to do with testing. Reach before you teach not have these kids coming in and have them in a militant form. That was a tough thing for me. As a Navy veteran, I expected them to fall in line and respect me. Oh, one of the worst come to Jesus meets I ever had in education was realizing that these kids don't come from that kind of a background. They're not ready for it. They're only certain ages. They're not prepared to be militant style from every little thing. Do you have to have order and regulation and policy and rules in school? Yes, you do. But for them to perform for you, you have to reach before you teach. And the people that are making these tests have no idea what I just said. It's like anything else, though, in life. Like, yeah. like it reminds me, standardized, standardized testing reminds me of the people who connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then tell me, and then tell me, hey, you need to hire me to promote your podcast. <laughs> well, why do, I, why? why do I need to hire you to, for anything? Do you even know who I am? Or the people who come to my my LinkedIn profile and they read that I create custom software and then offer to create custom software for my business. Right. Hello. Exactly. I feel like, and, and here's why I connect those two things. I think you're right. I think the people who do the standardized tests are completely disconnected from the reality of dealing with the children on a day to day basis. They're so far disconnected. Thank you. And all they feel like is here, we're going to throw this test out here. We're going to get the results. And then those results are going to prove our, our angle, whatever that is. So mm -hmm. whatever your agenda yeah. is and where, again, where, where we're deciding that the funding belongs, even though it's going to end up right back in your pocket here. So here it is. Team never quit. Frank DeAngelis principal during the 1999 Columbine. I know you can barely see my phone because that got so, so bright, but my <laughs> point is I'm making that free, that free call out tonight. You should go and find team never quit with Frank Marcus Luttrell. Find the episode of Frank DeAngelis. Everybody needs to hear this podcast. This man went through things that 
any educator should listen to and embrace. Anybody that's above us that's test takers needs to listen to what this man has to say. Because you, let me give you one little section. I don't, I'm not going to go through everything about it, but there's a part that really hit me. He had the idea of the family of Columbine. Everybody was going through giving high fives and saying, we're Columbine, we're family. And then he ended up out in the smoke pit. And in the smoke pit are these kids that are skipping class, that are out smoking. He's like, why are y'all not in class? Y'all need to get back in there. And the kid turns to him and says, you don't even know who we are, do we? You don't even know who we are, do you? And he says, I know who you are. I mean, he knew the names because of how many times they've been written up for different things. They go, you don't even know what we stand for. We don't fit into your little family that you've got here in Columbine. And he is saying that, yeah, not all these kids are going to show what they know by performing on a paper test. They could be constructing some kind of a home project where they're required to use some kind of geometry to be able to accomplish the mission that they're given. So he goes through all of it in detail. So again, I can't go through everything that he's got, but again, that man was spared in that high school on that day for a reason. For some reason, when that gunman pointed at him, he didn't pull the trigger. Maybe it was that one moment in the pit where he listened to him. Yes. Maybe it was that moment where, you know, th that he he treated him like a human being. These kids want to be treated like human beings. At a certain age, young adults in training. And this is something that somebody in the test administrators just don't get because it doesn't line their pockets. I'll give you another thing that I can say about it, too, because people don't realize I'm going to throw one more fact in there. You know, the worst killings that happened at Columbine were in the library. It's documented right. how hateful that they were. But they identified one guy. They knocked on one of the desks and said, identify yourself. And he said, it's John in a in a respectful type of way. And they said. John Savage. Yeah, it's me. And he responded in just a typical conversation like thing. It was his moment to see if it's saving his life or not. He's like, hey, Dylan, Dylan Klebold, mind you, who had nothing in his system, by the way. Dylan was run on pure hatred. The other kid, Eric Harris, there's plenty of stuff they found in his system. But he said to him, what are you, what are you doing, Dylan? What's up? He's like, oh, nothing, just killing people. Said just like that. He's like, oh. And he, he asked, well, are you going to kill me? And Dylan thought for a minute and said, no, man, just get out of here. John Savage left the library. They allowed him to leave the library, and they kept killing kids. It depends on how you make someone feel in any school setting. Reach before you teach. They are human beings. They are not data. They are not numbers. They are people. And too many don't understand that. Do you think there's any connection at all with what you're talking about and the massive increase in school shootings, period? The enemy usually comes from the inside. I had that same conversation with the school that I left because I felt like it was a sinking ship. I'm telling you now, I'm not going to name the entity. I'm just going to put it like it is. When we had a school shooting that happened not too far away from us in Italy, Texas, we had a meetup and where we parent the teachers were concerned because their babies are not far from where all this is. And, and she came, the principal came storming down, demanded that we understand that so much security is set up on the outside and this building is meant for keeping kids safe. Ha! Every room that we had was facing each other and it, it was like a prison, dude. It was like an industrial prison complex of some sort. And they would over, 
and you the, you can look from one window to another window, and the kids could look at each other. Great idea for junior high kids that have attention spans of two minutes, maybe not even that, but still. And they go, "Are these glasses bulletproof?" <laughs> You're funny. And the whole idea is that they can walk by and they can evaluate and they can do their little dog and pony show and they cannot open the door and interrupt our instruction that's going on. We're not going to interfere with the engagement. Yeah, the kids are going to watch everything you do. It's all appearance versus reality. We had to tell her, you don't understand. The threat is going to come from the inside from a kid who has had enough. It, it seems to me like from listening to my own kids, they don't, you know, they're both in high school. They both go to the same high school, of course. Right. And they don't really talk a lot about being afraid to go to school or, you know, being afraid of, of shootings. But like every so often, some really evil person will start a rumor. Yeah. They, they started this rumor that they were going, that one guy was going to shoot up these three schools. And, yep. you know, the kids were like, dad, that's not even possible. Like how, How's that guy going to get to all three schools in, in, in time to, before the police catch him? Right. And exactly. What kind of scares me as a parent about that, though, is that I would like them to be kind of on the alert and be aware of their surroundings and, you know, and not be complacent. But that kind of sounds complacent, like, oh, come on, it's impossible. And but as a parent, you say to yourself, all right, well, how much do I how much do I talk to these kids about? It? I mean, I can tell you briefly my youngest daughter at one point when we, after I got divorced from her mom, there was an increase in people just walking into people's homes while they're home yep. and, you know, tying them up, stealing their stuff and just leaving them there. Yep. And it was happening all throughout this neighborhood. And I knew that when I'd go to pick up the kids, the front door would be unlocked. So I told her, Hey, just make sure when you're at home, especially when you guys are by yourself, lock that front door right and it was the reaction was the reaction was don't scare me you're scaring me so okay as a parent you don't know how much you should or shouldn't say because you don't want to scare your kids but at the same time like i said i want them alert exactly I want them knowing what's going on because that kid saved his own life by not just in that moment mm -hmm. he saved his own life leading up to that moment yes. by making that kid feel good i mean they there's a pattern. Yep. Well, and that's the problem. Like there's kids in the school that Delta kids will talk about and they'll say, you know, if someone was going to snap and shoot up to school, it'd be that guy. And my, my youngest son always says, that's why I'm nice to everybody. Because which is a great I, plan I buddy I'm, i don't want to get shot again again exactly <laughs> yeah. that's where I would, I would assume that you would kind of want your kid to be you want your kid to be friends with the popular kids friends with the unpopular be somewhere in the middle where you have where you have a good level playing field between each one of them you you would think that but you know they they care about reputation that age. and i, I know I, I don't mean to make everything that i've shared as a scare, scare tactic i'm again encouraging everybody in the yogi's podcast network and anybody that comes across this to go here, I get nothing out of that except be able to sleep better knowing what Frank DeAngelis, who lived through it, who coped with it, who kept his word to stay in the school until every kindergartner that was in that year of 1999 graduated. Then he would leave, and he kept his word by doing that. I just want people to hear that narrative, hear the message, then all the solemn warnings that he gives out. And it's not all based on fear either. It's actually based upon you know, human relations and about how, again, how to treat people. So it's not meant to scare anybody or get the fear going. Fear is not a fruit of the spirit in my mind. 
you know, I've already killed off my Dr. Pepper here. So I didn't think, I didn't think, I thought I'd make this last till the end. So maybe I can just get a little bit off the top there. Well, but again, we're, we're getting close to We're getting close to the end. So you, you did good. I, I actually went ahead while you were talking about that. And I, I use uh, overcast to listen to my podcast. So I went ahead and um, downloaded that episode and I'm going to listen to that uh, probably yes. tomorrow. Um, right. That's a, I, I appreciate that, that tip, but, Toria, how how is since you know you have a unique perspective because you come from a completely different country, which you know literally is the same but different than here. Like we even talked about how one of the interesting things, Brian, like that we don't think about as Americans is like we have the great Rocky Mountains going through the the middle of the country, but then they keep on going up into another country, and they also have the Rocky Mountains there on their side of the of the fence. And I mean, when I drove to Canada, you literally, you get to uh, Montana and you go through this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful area. And then there's like a, the only thing that kind of ruins it, so to speak, is there's like a border checkpoint. And then you get through the border checkpoint and you feel like you're right back. Now you're in Canada, but you feel like you're in Montana still. So Toria, like what's, what about where, you know, you come from a place where it's a really small town. You said something, well, I think it was less than 40 people in your graduating 32. class. Am I right? How, how is this scene there? There are standardized testing. There was a major school shooting in a town two hours away from the town I'm from eight days after Columbine. Uh, so the same. Yeah. And again, Tori, I come with my hat in my hands on this because I know there has been like a lot going on right here in this in this area here. Like this is your chance to speak to. This is your show. So uh, don't let me invade too much. All right. So You're good. I, I'm going to lay my I'm going to lay my donkey jawbone down just for a second <laughs> to give you a chance. Here. No, everything you said is super interesting. I mean, and then what, what you said about, you don't, don't want people to be scared, but you want them to be safe. Well, I'm sorry, but I'd rather people be scared that somebody's going to walk into their house than be stupid and be leaving their door unlocked when somebody could walk in their house. I'd rather you be terrified of your front door than unsafe. Well, but let me clarify what I meant. I meant that I don't want someone living in fear. You know what I mean? Like, right. You, right. Do you remember, Toria, do you remember? It just means be aware. Yeah. Do you remember when we had our little stalker person and we changed and we changed what we did at night? We used to go for a really nice. I used to really enjoy this walk that we would go on because it's cooler in the evening and we would get to talk and we would laugh and we would go for a walk. Well, then we had this little stalker person and we changed. We didn't go outside at night. We, we walked the dog inside the building instead of outside the building. That was living in fear. I don't want my my children to live in fear. I get it. Agreed. I get it. I mean, I, that's all I mean by that. Because, yes, yes, I'm with you. I don't want them thinking they can just leave the doors unlocked and, you know, leave the car door unlocked or whatever. No, no, no. You know, lock things up. Yes. Be a little yeah. scared of, you know, invaders who don't belong in your house coming into your house. But don't live in fear. Right. Don't don't let that fear dictate every move you make. There it is. And when it comes to the the social issues that come with standardized testing and the environment within schools, it's the same in Canada as it is here. And I have to add one more thing that you did mention, uh, because you did mention about how the rumors easily spread. That is one of the cons that of social media and how much technology has taken off at this point. So it's definitely one of the, one of the ways that we can reach kids in school now is through this thing that I'm holding right here. I mean, and we have so many. He's holding a cell phone, by the way. He forgets this is a audio medium, not a video medium. Exactly. For since those since those are on a blind audience, yeah. And since we forget about that, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you know I wasn't holding a donkey jawbone for real. I was holding the cell phone. Oh, I thought it was a jawbone. Yeah, I guess you can use that on a stalker if you need to. <laughs> 
Here's a here's a question okay. for you though, Brian. As a teacher, do you get to see a copy of like your last group of students standardized test results? Mm-hmm. I get to see everything. When you go through, you get to see what their medical uh, conditions are. You get to see if they fall in the special ed community. You get to see if they are have dyslexia. You get to see if they have any kind of. And again, that doesn't. These things help me to say these kids aren't stupid. These kids just need a little extra help with reading, writing, or spelling, or in whatever the the content that is. Especially with me, social studies. And yes, I'm able to see how they did. I'm able to see how they did on unit tests as well. And sometimes I look at them and go, some of those I take upon myself. But again, it's one of those teachers based on data that you collect. Because last time I checked, data is only going to do so much when you're telling the story of history. Last time I checked, the narrative is what kids remember. Kids don't remember that wonderful lesson. They don't remember that one that amazing test that they aced at the end of the day. When, when the year is over and done with and they have their award ceremony or they walk across that stage and get their diploma, they remember how you made them feel. And sometimes they remember the stories you tell. But, but okay, I want to clarify. So you've, you've had your group of kids that you have right now in school. Usually, I don't know how it is there, but here standardized test results don't come till July or August. So they're out of school already. So when you come back to school, you get to see the results from your previous group of students? You get to see them. It, 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 okay, yeah. you do. You do. And then do you also get to see the results of your incoming students yes. from the previous. Yes. Uh, we've actually, we, have you ever like looked at the results from your previous group of students and been shocked that a kid who let's just say they were an A student in your class and you know them to be that way through school, but who did really crummy on standardized tests. See that one. I see the latter. I see the ones that know how to find a way to, do well on the test, and then all of a sudden you do another assessment of them, and you find out that they're reading on a second grade level. I've seen both worlds. That's what I thought. You answered my second question, which was going to be, how about, you know, have you ever been surprised by looking (laughs) at standardized tests and person does really, really well, and all of a sudden in class you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. what's Mm -hmm. wrong with this kid? How come I can't Mm -hmm. get through to them? That's very interesting because that kind of proves what I've thought all along, which is a lot of a lot of the problem with from my perspective as a parent with standardized testing is i can tell you i have one kid and i'm not going to say who who never really did all that well it kind of was middle of the road in standardized testing mm-hmm. very middle of the road like if you saw their their test scores and try and i told you predict their their grades you'd probably think they were a d student and they weren't they were a b plus a minus student but on the test Mm-hmm. They did terrible, but it was because the reason they had good grades and the reason they weren't like an A student for everything is that they didn't do well on tests, period. Any tests. It didn't matter. It could be a math quiz, it could be a math test. It could be a standardized test. They didn't do well. And it was just the one kid. The other three that I have, they're just gifted with the ability to take tests and they have the discipline to do the work. So really like What's the goal of the standardized test other than to like say, oh, look, our policies are working? All I can do is speculate on that one and mention once again, you have to follow the money trail. The methodology of public uh, public education is forcing these fish to climb trees. And unfortunately, in my my lifetime, even though I want to keep my job because I do love these kids and I do get invested in their lives and and at the end, it's all worth it. I do want to see some changes. 
and I don't know how many I will see. The only real change that I will see is what when I put the kids ahead of the content. No, I'm with you there. Well, before we wrap up, one thing you didn't tell me was how you feel as a teacher, you should be evaluated. Like, how do we evaluate your job performance? I've skated that one the whole time, haven't I? Let's see if we can bring this full circle, how I should be evaluated. (laughs) I believe that if you're going to do an evaluation with me, it's just like if you're going to treat kids in school, if you're going to, if you're going to model a college approach to teaching, there will always be midterms and there will always be finals. There has to be some kind of a midterm where the administrators are still welcome in your room. But I believe that I should be assessed by how well that include an administrator into my room, not just somebody who sits back and assesses, somebody who can actually go in and do the creative lesson with the kids. If I'm going to be hands-on with my kids, I want my evaluators to be hands-on with them too. So if I can do that one and show them, hey, you made this work across the student level and the adult level, then I, because that's really what it comes down to, at least in middle school, there's a phrase, as the butt gets number, the brain gets number. You got to have them up and you got to have them moving. You got to have stations going. <laughs> yeah, I am stole that one too. So I believe with, at least in my level of, of middle school education, I can't speak for elementary. I can't speak for high school because again, they're very different worlds. But at least with that one, it would be, if I'm going to evaluate, put your evaluation down administrator and come get your hands dirty with the kids. You know, the anyway. the fifth grade teacher that my youngest daughter had, he removed all the chairs from the room mm-hmm. and he had us parents bring in those big old like yoga ball. Mm-hmm. And like the one Dwight's had, bouncing on in the office. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he had <laughs> exactly he had the kids sit on that. That's what he had them sit on during the day. And he would explain to you at back to school night that the reason for that was pretty much what you're talking about. You know, you you keep them involved. They they have yep. to fix their posture a little bit. Yep. He says one thing that's gone away is he doesn't have the kids that, you know, they tip their chair back and they tip it back so far that they crack their skull open on mm-hmm. the floor. That doesn't ha- that doesn't happen anymore. Yep. And they they are more attentive huh. and they are more into the lessons. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because when you think about it, that's a super minor change, yep. but it's a change that completely changed how the kids performed. And I can tell you, he was probably also the most popular teacher and yet he wasn't a mm-hmm. softy. He, he didn't grade easy. In fact, he was a pretty tough grader actually. And right. um, quite critical of like their writing and whatever. And yet he the kids loved him. He did this job of just like making them sit on these balls. And it seemed like a stupid idea when I first heard it. But then I actually, as a parent watched the progress and it's pretty amazing. So, I mean, I hear you like there's, there's little things that, I mean, I think administrators, it's one of the things I said when I ran for school board, I felt like the administration was so out of touch with what really goes on in schools. That's what I'm getting. There you go. And they Thank need you. to be in touch. And, you know, and here's the thing, like as a school board member, I asked, I remember having lunch with a few of them and they said, oh, well, we're in touch. You're, you're saying we're not in touch, but we're in touch. I mean, we go to the schools and I said, really, when do you go to schools? Well, we go on back to school night. We're going to open house. <laughs> when we have a play, we go there. Then that's not being How in touch. Convenient. I'm like, bro, you know, being in touch is what I do. I volunteer for the PTA and I'm there during the day when the yep. teachers are dealing with the kids 
And I see uh, what the teachers go through. Super thankful for that. That's being in yep. touch with what's going on in the school. Not not showing up for, you know, yep. the the performance of Mary Poppins. You know, that that's just that yeah. that's called a photo op. Which is still great, but oh yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it's great supportive. for the theater kiddos. Yeah. It's supportive. Right. But, but it's what not. about the kids that are on the tennis team? Exactly. You know, what about the kids that are doing robotics? You know, exactly. what about those that no are, are in a science class that are doing experiments, you know, and a chance to see them fill a balloon with hydrogen? Yeah, exactly. I'm, that's what I'm getting at there is that if you're going to be in, if you're going to somehow put yourself in our shoes, if you're going to evaluate, quit evaluating on a basis of data, quit evaluating on these number systems, be it based on the lesson that the administrator can walk in and be a part of amongst the let them laugh with them, let the kids walk them through. Let them go, okay, I see where you're going with this. Let them be hands-on approach. That's a that's a fine, that's a, a dream to hang on to right there. <laughs> Tori, I'm glad that you got the re- the message of, D- of Dwight, the office. You know how many times I really do want to flip the script on an administrator and almost do what Jim did with Dwight, how I want to walk in and sit in their seat and type on theirs and say, you know, I'm, I'm writing a, re- a referral for this student and how I just want to look at them and go, bears, beats. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <That's too funny. laughs> well, that, just want to pull a gem on that one. With that, I want to say, guys. Oh, yeah. you know, so we're going to wrap this up. But um, Brian here has has his show, your favorite blockhead. He's part of Yogi's Podcast Network, and I apologize to the crowd, but we're working on our on our. We've been working on our onboarding process because we've been getting a lot of requests lately for people to join, and we turn down more than we accept. Dude, there's a lot of garbage podcasts out there. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of them. And uh-huh. I get these people, but we're working on our onboarding process. Probably sometime in June, we'll start seeing regular episodes from Brian. I mean, he's still doing his show every week, but we'll see some regular episodes appearing on the network. But definitely, as I say at the beginning of every episode, help a friend out and, you know, subscribe to his show. And don't just subscribe. You know, we don't, we podcasters, we really have no clue how many people are subscribed. We don't. We, right. There's it's the weirdest thing, but like that one's left question. Yes. Yeah. Even the greatest statistical programs out there don't tell you how many people subscribe. We just know how many downloads we get. Yeah. So we can kind of tell if you're listening or not. Yeah. So definitely give him a listen. Don't just subscribe because subscribing doesn't do a whole lot for us. And I'm going to tell you, you'll be entertained because I'm always entertained and what you hear here is what you get. There's the standard and vice versa. You know, and that's what I like about (laughs) <laughs> That's what I like about Brian because I do guest appearances on podcasts all the time and I refuse to be somebody that I'm not. And that's one of the reasons why I actually love this show because I get to be me and you either love me or you hate me. I'm me. Well, I love and, you. And that's that. Oh, isn't that sweet? So, <laughs> so anyway, you know, he's also he's got a website, your favorite blockhead dot com. So definitely I'm, I'm trying to show Brian that I pay attention yep. because normally I throw it to the guest and have the guest to all this, but you know what? He, he's like a brother to us now. You know, this guy, he's, he's one of our, you're literally our favorite guest. Well, and he had to introduce himself. So you might as well do the end part for him. <laughs> well, exactly. And I wanted him to introduce himself. So I'm glad he, that's another yeah. thing that shows that, uh, but like <laughs> also what I love about Touché. Brian Toria is that he listens to our show. So when he comes on as a guest, we can literally, we could literally, if we wanted to talk about something that happened in a previous episode and Brian's going to at least have an idea 
of all you children uh, that are upset, I brought on. you a couple of pacifiers for the end. So those of you that need a little bit of coddling, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And before we go, we're just going to close with this. Okay? I'm going to close. Oh, I'm sorry. They're all banana flavor. <laughs> My bad. I'm, I'm going to close with this. And that is that, guys, if you went to two different Mexican restaurants and I tell you I liked one better, it doesn't mean I disliked the other one. You know, Brian was telling us a story That's about nice. about he mentioned his favorite president was was John F. Kennedy and a bunch of people got mad at him. Uh, he didn't say he didn't like other people. He said that that was his favorite. Oh, no. And yeah. you're allowed to have a favorite. You're allowed yes. to pick which one you like better. That doesn't mean. And, and that's the other interesting thing about it. Also, just because I disagree with you doesn't make me a bully. That's another one. that Exactly. And, and also doesn't mean you think the other person's exactly, an idiot. And I practically blew. I practically had an aneurysm in one of our episodes that hasn't come out yet, but it will next week. Sounds painful ranting about that and i mean i think i went on for like 45 minutes and i think toria had about 30 seconds to say and the rest <laughs> of it was me uh, because i was angry pissed off and just dismayed at society and that's what i you know i think i think i need to create a, a podcast called don't be a baby <laughs> and teach people how to act like like adults because because an adult can disagree and and move on you know i mean i mean i'm sure brian if you and i spent a, like a couple of hours hanging out together, we're going to find some things we don't agree with each other on. I'm sure there's things. Indeed. Unfortunately, you're in a better spot than me because, you know, this show, I express my opinion a lot. So I'm sure you have things you completely disagree with me on, but we're friends. We don't, we don't go, oh, I can't. I can't have you on the show. You disagree with me. You and, and I completely totally disagree. On no, you, 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 yeah. you got to you got to you got to coddle the poor dodo birds. You really it's do. Just, you, I you love that you call them dodo birds. That is funny because <laughs> because that's actually it's kind of a good like. Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. We have this foster dog. His name is Beans. All right. Now now to, you got to understand. In order to understand Beans, you have to understand Beans' story. Beans was found on the streets of Tijuana, Mexico. And beans was near death. Very near death. Beans had, beans had two types of mange, oh. one of which was extremely contagious, and it was eating away his skin, his fur, everything. He the, the pictures are horrendous. I'll post them in the show notes for this so people can see. He didn't have any and, fur. And that dog was rescued by somebody, but he had to be crated for like three months. And so the only time he came out of the crate was to eat and go to the bathroom. That was it. And then he had to go back in the crate. Because he couldn't come in contact with humans and dogs because he could give them this mange. Well, this dog, first of all, the one problem he has Mm -hmm. is that his development was a little stunted because of that. So, like, he can walk down our hallway and then just fall over. He trips over air as a dog with four legs. It's very cute. He trips over air. But he loves, this is what I'm getting at. The dude loves everything. He loves birds, cats, dogs people mean people nice people he loves everybody because he takes everything at face value and his face value is hey i'm a nice dude why aren't you going to be nice back i'm going to just expect you to be nice back and i think that society could learn a lot from bean's story because the dog he loves everybody and everything equally and i think if you think about that when we're talking about being an adult if i go hey i like brian you know he he tells funny stories he listens to our show that's a big deal he comes on our show whenever and 
he he's just a super nice guy. I'm going to I like you. So now you say something I disagree with. Why in God's green earth am I going to say, oh, my God, I never want to have that guy on a show again. Right. I mean, I mean, honest, and I'm going to be honest with you. It could even be something totally controversial. And I'm not going to shy away from having you on the show because you're my friend. You know, you're somebody who I like and you're entitled to say something stupid once in a while or do something stupid. And guess what? That doesn't change who you are. So if I like you, why am I going to treat you differently? And that's our thing. Like we have neighbors that we see and they're super nice people. And once in a while, they're grumpy. We just kind of look at each other and go, ah, so-and-so must be having a hard day and and let yeah. it go. And too yeah. many people take offense by that thing. I mean, we're we're fighting right now. You've probably heard us talk about Sunny Park. Right. And we're fighting to recall her. Sure. Well, my gosh, we're racist. We're rude. We want to <laughs> shove our opinion down people's throats. I mean, I'm sorry, but but if you said to me, the New England Patriots are the greatest football team on the planet. Well, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I don't agree with you. I don't. I don't agree. I'm not going to discount their yeah. I'm not gonna discount their accomplishments, but I don't agree with you. Well, that doesn't mean I'm arguing with you because I tell you I don't agree with you. It just means I yeah. don't agree with you. And adults need to learn that just because somebody has an opposite viewpoint of them, just because someone disagrees, not everybody's going to get along. That's that's just the truth. I always tell Victoria, it's why there's so many different flavors of ice cream, right? Because we're all different. Yeah. But one thing we share in common, we're all human beings and we need to treat each other like human beings, period, the end. And I think it's like, you know, we've I've told you before, we need to have a conversation about organized religion, probably not on a podcast, but off the air. Okay. Because I have interesting views on it. And I know which I know where you where you come from on on it for the most part. Do you? And I think do you really? Uh, well, well, that's why I Thomas think. Jefferson. That's why Thomas I Jefferson think. hated disorganized religion. Oh my god, you religion. did the thing I hate. <laughs> so <laughs> you did the thing I hate that she does all the time. Do I? But in any event, I, that's why I said you wonder where I stole it from. That's best the of the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. I, I listen I to the show. Think, I think that I, I. That's a good point. And I did say that earlier. I think. We would differ on some things, but I, I could be completely wrong, and I admit that. Oh, and by the way, people, did you hear that? I just admitted I could be wrong. Wow. Oh, and I can say another thing, guys. We're, we're, you're never going to – one thing is that you're, we can find cures for so many illnesses, and, and we find cures for beans. You're not going to find a cure for entitlement for everybody on this Bingo. small planet that we have. And you're not going to appease, you're not going to appease the highbrow types either, and it sounds to me like you're surrounded by a lot of them in Orange County. So I had to give yeah. you all that. And I, again, I don't want to go into detail what I said. Yeah, I, it's just I said my favorite president is Kennedy. And I base it off charisma. I base it off his speeches. I, spa- I, I base it off of the time period of the Cold War facing the Soviet Union, having the cojones, I guess you can say, to do, give that speech on the Berlin Wall the way he did and tell them all that I'm a donut. I mean, a Berliner. Uh, but and then also for him to have his successes with the Cuban Missile Crisis and to admit his failures with the Bay of Pigs fiasco. And what I believed he would have done for Vietnam if he had not been killed was to pull the troops out. But again, there's there's always going to be that speculation. I said favorite, but when it comes to the greatest one of all time, a lot of people need to look back to what the example was from Washington. The one thing that made Washington so great as a president is that he stepped down from power. He did it twice. At the end of the revolution, when he surrendered his sword to Congress, the world was shocked by this. This man walked away from power. I can't find anybody in history, except maybe Solon from Greece who got exiled nonetheless, who actually walked away from power the way that Washington did. 
and for him to set the precedent to precedent of how whenever he stepped down after doing two terms and saying this is the way this is to be done, speaking about the dangers of party affiliation, which we sure didn't listen to, you will never have another Washington. But again, I don't I, I praise him because he was the first to do it and he stepped down from power twice. Even King George III said himself, if he did that, that's the greatest man that ever lived. I believe if Lincoln had lived on, if Lincoln yeah. had lived on and continued his reconstruction plan without being killed, I think Lincoln would have surpassed Washington, being able to hold together a nation that fell apart and came back together. If he had done his two terms, I would give him the first spot. But me as a historian, I have to go with Washington. Washington, Lincoln, FDR for number three, as far as how long he was in office, how he got us through the Great Depression, how so many through the Dust Bowl tuned into the fireside chats. Hint, hint, why I love podcasting so much. We have our own fireside chat right here that we're doing for our audience. Exactly. I would have to give number four. I have to give number four to Jefferson being the expansive minded president that he was. And he hated organized religion, too. But he got burned for saying that. So he cut up the Bible, made his own Jeffersonian Bible, which is very much based on love thy neighbor as thyself. And I would have to give number five to one who gets lost all the time in the mix. I'm not giving it to Kennedy. I give it to the one who, who was before him. I give it to Eisenhower. So if I was to give my top five, there it is. Washington, Lincoln, FDR, Jefferson, and Eisenhower. There's my top five. Totally makes sense. And, you know, uh, I have to say, like, I think my favorite president is uh, Ronald Reagan. A lot of people like him. But and I like him, too. For very, yeah. But for very similar reasons to why you say, you know, Kennedy is your favorite. I think, I think that he said what he, he said things and then he did what he said. Yeah. And he wasn't perfect. But no, but he was guy, the yeah. guy was a great he was a great communicator and he brought mm-hmm. people together. And I have a lot of respect yep. for him as a human being. Mm-hmm. But I, I also yeah. wouldn't put him in my top five of best. There you president. go. I just think I've got him somewhere I, in there. But not the top I five. just exactly. I admire yeah. him a great deal because of his approach. But I mean, his whole no, let's face it. Even the Iranians knew better than to mess with Ronald Reagan. You know, exactly. they were like, they were like, oh no, we're going to hold. We're not mad students. at you, sir. We're mad at Mr. Carter. We're, we're not mad at you, Mr. Reagan. Forever. Here, you can have them. We're holding the students forever. He wins the election, and then miraculously, they let the students Hands go. Here, get him out of here. We don't want them anymore. They knew he wasn't playing. They <laughs> that knew guy, that guy would have invaded instantly. Like I, exactly day one, he would have he would have sent mm-hmm. the troops over. I mean, it's yeah. just it's crazy. And that's that's how he was. Yeah. He did not mess around. He gives the speech for Gorbachev to tear down the walls. Of course, it falls on Bush's watch and it happens prematurely. But who cares? But to get it into motion, we have to yeah. give that to Reagan. We have to give it yeah, to his charisma cool. and personality. It's pretty cool. Well, it's awesome. Well, thanks for being on tonight. I, I know it's kind of a last minute sure. thing, but I really appreciate it. And we we love having you on. So as we as we always tell you towards the end of the show here, you're always welcome. So thanks. Laying down the mic one last time. That's the end of the press That's conference. right. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> and with that, good night, everyone. Hasta la bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Nightly Rant. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you didn't enjoy the show, please just ignore that previous request for a rating. This has been a Yogi's Podcast Network production. 